1: Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so excited to have my next guest here. Uh, she's uh, a local celebrity, local to me at least, in, in San Francisco with an incredible brand that she co-founded and co-runs as co-CEO. It's called Proper Foods. And if you've ever been going through SFO uh, in the JetBlue and uh, Southwest Terminal, I think there's a few other airlines in that terminal, but uh, you'll definitely see Proper Foods and they will save you before getting on any flight. But in addition to that, uh, they have now 17 locations. I hope hope that number is right. And uh, the brand is now Coastal. Uh, they've expanded to New York City as well as San Francisco and I'm super excited to hear from Dana all about the story and uh, some of the challenges and starting a brand how this all came about and also just overall what's going on in the industry so thank you so much Dana for coming on and and talking to us. Oh, I'm thrilled to be
0: here. As you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of you, so uh, honored to be here.
1: Yeah, exactly. So they've been a big supporter of having Hint Water in their locations as well. So it's been really, really nice to see them grow um, and us grow with them. So it's been really nice. So uh, you and your husband Howard started started in 2014. Uh, can you give us the backstory? How did this all get started?
0: Yeah, you know, I think my husband Howard and I were both working corporate jobs in downtown San Francisco. And, um, you know, as working parents, time was our scarcest resource. Um, So we always, you know, at work would want to go out for like a quick lunch and found ourselves either waiting in line a half hour to get a good salad or just grabbing something that wasn't really good food. Uh, And we just didn't want to have to sacrifice quality for convenience. Uh, We'd always Mm -hmm. been passionate about food. Howard's dad was growing his own vegetables and cooking local, organic and sea. Before those were buzzwords that anyone used, um, so we created what we wished existed, and we got luckily early on. We found our executive chef Juan Munoz, and Juan, you know, had come from this Michelin star fine dining background, but was really passionate about wanting to make high quality food, more accessible. And so we all got together and basically created what we wished existed. And it turned out a lot of other people wished that existed too. So grew really fast, all from word of mouth. We never really did any marketing. Um, We just exceeded people's expectations for both the food and the service. It was so much more than they ever expected out of a grab and go experience. And that's that's how we grew.
1: So you're in corporate jobs, you did not have experience yes. in opening a grab and go or a restaurant. So how did you I, like it's you make it sound so easy. Uh, people have ideas all the time, <laughs> it <wasn't>, right? <laughs> it wasn't so easy, I'm sure. What was kind of the first step that you maybe you're sitting here uh I don't know, maybe you're lying in bed and you say to your say to Howard, yes. "Let's get this thing started? I mean, where did this really start? I mean, what, what was sort of the, uh, obviously, you've got a great idea. I, ideas are a dime a dozen, uh, at least around my house. It's like the execution
0: yeah. um, and actually yes. getting going.
1: I, like How did you meet your other co-founder, Juan, all of those things?
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. A, a VC way back in the dot com days said to us, ideas are free. Execution costs money. Yeah. And that's always stuck with me because it, it very much is true. It's easy to have a good idea. It's, uh, it's a lot harder to make it happen. And I think we just had an amazing partnership. So from the start, you know, Howard and I are very different in very complementary ways. I am, you know, a former strategy consultant and, you know, very, you know, analytical and let's go read a million books and talk to a million people who've done this before to try and figure out. And Howard is just very entrepreneurial by nature. He started his first business, a lawn mowing business when he was in high school. And he's just like, let's just start doing. And so between the two of us, it ends up being a really nice balance. So... You know, while I was, you know, kind of researching, he was just going ahead and starting to call, you know, the brokers that had. Spaces for rent. And, you know, it's just starting to, you know, we put a business plan together basically. Um, We put an ad. He talked, you know, one of us talked to someone who told us about uh, a site where you could put ads for, you know, chefs. And so we put an ad up and um, luckily Chef Juan saw that ad and he came over to our kitchen and brought food. You know, he interviewed first, but then his food interview was he came to our kitchen and he was honestly the only one who really got it because. He came with things he'd already mostly made at home and was just rewarming in our kitchen in grab-and-go type containers. And um, some of the dishes he brought are still on our menu today. Like our um, seared ahi lemon pepper tuna was something that he brought to his um, original interview and showed us like, oh, he can really elevate this beyond what anyone would normally expect in grab-and-go food. That's
1: that's amazing. And so I always... Uh, say to those first employees or, or you know, a co-founder in, in your case that, you know, you hadn't done this before. So I I mean, the fact that they're, they're taking a chance on you too. I mean, it's like, a, it's yep. a pretty, um, it, it's daunting to me to think back on how many people early on, you know, joined Hint. Yes. Like I had never started yeah. a beverage company before. Yes. And, and here I was a tech executive yeah. and they're coming on board. I'm like, are you crazy? (laughs) I mean, why are you coming? Right. And, and it's, uh, you know, maybe a little imposter syndrome sets in, in there too, to some extent, but what sort of gave you the courage and, and I guess, like, why do you think they believed so much in you?
0: Yeah yeah well, I think you know chef Juan he was really young and early in his career too, mm-hmm. and people had taken a chance on him and he came from you know a tough background. he came you know to this country not knowing any English you know in middle school basically and um figured it all out and fell in love with cooking because he was with his grandma while she had a cooking job and um you know got to see it that way and so I think he was somebody who you know, was early in his career had kind of come up quickly because he was really good at what he did. And he had big vision and aspirations and our food philosophy really aligned in terms of wanting to do food that was all about getting the best ingredients from the best local purveyors, not putting a bunch of unnecessary things into it, um, but keeping it really fresh from scratch, using techniques that would normally only be found in fine dining um, and then having everything that... um, Everything sold fresh each day and whatever doesn't sell, we donate to charity at the end of the day. So Mm -hmm. being able to make food more accessible, not just to our customers who can get high quality food really fast, but also to this whole group of people who normally don't have a lot of option of what they eat. And so I think that vision um, was very aligned with, you know, what, what our chef saw, what Juan saw that he wanted to be able to create as well.
1: backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're so lucky that you guys connected. So your first store was where?
0: So yeah that's another you know story of you know how do you get people to take a chance on you so you know Howard was calling all these brokers based on signs he saw in windows on empty storefronts downtown and no one would give him the time of day because we had no history as restaurateurs and so the space that we finally got was originally part of the parking garage of the office building. And they decided that they wanted to separate off part of the parking garage to make it into retail and ideally a food amenity for the office building. But it was only, you know, Five hundred square feet. It didn't have any venting for cooking. Um, you know, it, it was a tough space for someone to be able to make work. And so we were really the only ones that said we can come in and put fresh food there. And so they took a chance on us. And that store is at first admission, and still one of our best stores. And. Still a really great relationship with that landlord. It ended up, you know, doing $2 million out of that location annually. Um, So just, it was a huge success for everyone.
1: I want to share a tool that has truly been helpful to me and my team. It's called Articulate 360, and it makes workplace learning that much more fun. If you're like me, you love learning new things and you want to extend that love of learning to your team. Maybe you've brought in people to do training or watch some e-learnings virtually, but nothing is more tiring than watching someone drone on and on about a topic using regular old PowerPoint presentations or other props trying to engage the audience. What is happening here? Well, no more. Articulate 360 makes it easy and efficient to create those engaging digital learning experiences you can be Very proud of. Whip together some interactive, really beautiful e-learnings that really engage people and get the desired info across. You can create short form micro learning, short, super interactive courses, really whatever you are looking for. Then you can even check in on the progress your team is making too. It's really interactive and informative. Plus, Articulate 360 is such a simple portal. Once you try it, I think you'll agree. That's why over 120,000 companies have already signed up. And with this special Articulate 360 offer for The Kara Golden Show listeners, it's really easy to make the decision to give Articulate 360 a try. Let's end the year right. Visit Articulate.com slash 360 to start a free trial of Articulate 360. That's Articulate.com slash three sixty to start a free thirty day trial of articulate three sixty now how did you know that you were successful too I mean here you had been in strategy, you hadn't really been around the restaurant business i I always think that it's it's um you know obviously the analytics around it i mean I don't know if it's doubling your business ten xing your business where you get this confidence in in you that you're like okay, this is going to work. We open our second location. We go to New York. Like, where do you find the confidence that you're going to be successful?
0: Yeah. It was funny when you said, how did you know when you were successful? I'm like, are we successful yet? <laughs> um, you know, I saw, I have such big visions for what this should become and really wanting to re- redefine the way people eat on the go. I feel like we should be a household name. We should be everywhere where people need food in a quick way that like, we're only like, you know, one mile into a 5,000 mile run. Yeah. Um, so, but in terms of, yeah, how we get the confidence, I think it's little by little. And honestly, it's so much is just seeing customers love what you do. And when you see people that become these huge fans and just love your brand and are you know talking about it. And when you start to go out and say, oh, they ask you what you do, you say proper food and they say, oh my God, I love proper food. Like that's really the fuel that has kept us Going through ups and downs,
1: yeah, definitely. I think customer feedback is so so key. I still I have a box uh, filled with early notes, um, so I would yep. print out emails from people too, but people who just were really yes. enamored because I thought like it's one thing to think something, it's another thing to take that extra step to actually write an yes. email, or and yes. that's a powerful thing. And how many people it do really they is. actually tell uh, about? proper foods too, and how
0: much they like it. What is
1: your number one uh, item SKU?
0: You know, it changes a little bit because the menu changes seasonally. So, um, you know, we do, we want to make sure a lot of our customers come every day and we want to make sure there's a lot of variety. They never get bored of it. Um, And so um, it changes, but some of our favorites that have been favorites forever. I've been our salmon teriyaki hot plate, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, fresh roasted salmon teriyaki with brown rice and broccoli, really nice plate. Our Chinese chicken salad, um, the so. dressing our chef makes from scratch. And it's just Incredible people are always asking if they can if we can bottle it for them. Um, And our seared ahi lemon pepper tuna, the one that he made, you know, right at the 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 interview. That is, it's got this special lemon pepper spice that we have made for us from a local spice company. It um, comes with the. Rice that we make, it's saffron infused rice. We start by making vegetable broth from scratch, hmm. and that goes for like 24 hours. And then that's used to make the rice. And then there's this bluegill lentils, but everything is just made from scratch so thoughtfully with only the best ingredients. It's so, so yummy.
1: So, how uh, and
0: when do you decide, I
1: guess, to add a new item?
0: Four times a year, we refresh the menu, um, which is pretty frequent. And we do a, a pretty big portion of the menu. Uh, and that's really to both keep things local and seasonal mm-hmm. and to keep things exciting. And we really, from the beginning, you know, before... Um, proper food. Um, after I was a strategy consultant, I worked in jewelry at, at Still and Dot, which is a, a mission-based mm-hmm. um, company for female entrepreneurs. And uh, I worked a lot with the jewelry team. And I really learned a lot there about how to work with creatives because it was very different than what I'd experienced working at Bain & Company all with you know business people totally. uh, and giving them the latitude to be creative. And so you know, Chef just got back actually from an inspiration trip, which um we send him on um and he went this one was in europe but he comes back from those trips with the uh inspiration and he creates the dishes we get a lot of customer feedback and we talk a lot to our frontline employees because they know best what people are saying and what they're asking for and we take all of that into consideration but then we really give Um, Chef Juan the latitude to use his own creativity. Uh, And so he will be thoughtful about, do we have enough gluten-free or vegan or vegetarian things on the menu? Uh, But then he is really taking inspiration from his experiences to create.
1: So we're living in a post-pandemic world where, uh, at least in San Francisco, uh, People are not back to the offices as as much as um, you know. Maybe some businesses uh, like yourself would hope, um, but I think people are also trying to eat healthier and take care of themselves, yes. and and um, and maybe spending more time outside um, when they when they can as well. What do you think are some of the biggest Trends or changes since the post-pandemic, and how people are eating, or you know how people are purchasing from you. You all,
0: I think people, um, you know, it's a continuing trend that people are more focused than ever on where their food comes from, what's in their food, and um, is it sourced sustainably. So, you know, we we make a big point of always making sure to source everything sustainably, making it from scratch. I think those are. People are more thoughtful about their health um, than ever before. I think also people are really looking for value. Um, and you know, as times are harder in the economy and you know, kind of the all the uncertainty that we've had recently, people want to make sure they're spending money, um, that they're getting good value for it. And that's something we're really proud of too in our model is, you know, a lot of our meals, if you put it on fine China, you could serve it in a really fine dining restaurant for two or three times um, what we're able to serve it for in our model.
1: That's awesome. So I think that's, uh, that's super, super true. So I think it's, it's, you know, the quality of your product is great. And it's not, um, it's not the cheapest, but it's also, you know, you know, that the quality is there and it's not, you know, Insanely expensive, which I, I feel like there are many grab-and-go places, especially around large cities, that are. And um, yeah, you know, I just don't think you can charge people as much um, for it. Know,
0: Food costs just went crazy mm-hmm. after the pandemic um, and packaging costs, honestly, too. You know, all of the costs of doing, and labor costs, you know, all of the costs of yeah. doing business have gone up so much. And, you know, we had, you know, a conversation as a team pretty early on in seeing our costs go crazy and said, you know, how are we going to handle this? And the one thing that we all felt very clear on from the start was we will not skimp. We will not trade down the quality of our ingredients and we will, you know, we will make sure that we always give people the proper food quality. We call it proper because it's proper in every way. Um, and so, you know, like everyone, we've had to raise prices over the few years, but feel really proud that we have not skimmed ever on the quality of our product and on uh, making sure it's sustainably sourced. I love
1: that. So Proper Foods, how did you come up with the name?
0: Yeah, you know, I think Howard and I had been brainstorming back and forth. And we lived in London for a few years. And, you know, some of our inspiration for Proper was, you know, there was a lot more grab and go that was freshly made that day in Europe than there was here. So there's a little bit of a a British nod to it. But we also just thought we loved this idea that what we created would be proper in every day. It would be made from scratch fresh each day, natural ingredients, sustainably sourced, really thoughtful about food waste, thoughtful on our impact on the world around us. You know, a a big value of ours is with care, being really thoughtful and caring um, for everyone we interact with, whether that's our team, our customers, our community. And so we just felt like proper food, you know, just encapsulated all of that.
1: So the first iteration of any product or retail location is, is different than what it is today, uh, for most companies. And I, yeah. I'm sure that rings true for proper foods. But when I say that, uh, and you think about proper foods, what comes to mind, uh, for you as a big Maybe it's not a mistake, but a big shift, right? We've heard from so many people in different industries, like they thought that their consumer was one thing and then another, they had to change packaging or, or something like
0: that. Yeah, I mean, it's phenomenally actually similar to what it was at the beginning. I think the biggest change has been in, you know, at the beginning, especially because Chef wanted to come from like Michelin star restaurants, he was like creating things on the fly all the time. So we would have like chef specials that would come and um, we would just try them for a day or two. And it was a great way to get to know our customer and what they liked and what they didn't know. And he could change things very easily on the fly. I think as we've gotten bigger, you know, we now need nutrition information on everything. And so he can't just put it out this morning because the nutrition information wouldn't be there yet. And we now have, you know, labeling that's much more clear about everything that's in it. So we've had to evolve a little bit from like really operating like a fine dining restaurant to being fine dining inspired, but also blending in like, how do you make sure people have that information, especially because our food is generally really healthy food, people are looking for nutrition information and things like that. And so wanting to be able to have that. And just with a bigger team, you need more process, right? And so um, with 17 locations, you know, thinking about how you're going to program in the new item to the POS system and how it impacts, you know, a number of things down the line.
1: Have you raised money for, um, for funding the company?
0: Um, only from angel investors, mm-hmm. um, friends and family, although no family, which I, I think was a good idea. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, you know, we were actually doing our first institutional fundraise in 2019. We were entering New York, doing our first institutional fundraise, really gearing up for this ne- next phase of growth. And you know, it, it was a hard year. I I'd heard about the roller coaster of fundraising, but I kind of thought, oh, I had worked in private equity earlier in my career. It's like, ah, I I got this. <laughs> and found that, you know, it was such a roller coaster. It was so stressful. And we were finally just at the finish line in March 2020, the first week of March, we were negotiating a term sheet um for investment. And then COVID happened and you know, obviously they needed to refocus on their existing portfolio companies. It kind of all fell out. And so ended up, you know, not not taking that round of institutional funding, um, which, you know, I think ended up being a blessing in disguise. Um, we were able to make decisions very, very rapidly when COVID happened because we didn't have an institutional partner that we needed to consult with. We could just, Make the decisions and go. Uh, you know, I don't know how it would have looked another way, but it it worked out and and we survived. And we've since you know we have um, a strategic investor from one strategic partner um, who is in food service, and we work with a number of their corporate clients. But other than that, it's all angel investors.
1: That's amazing. So starting any company and launching physical re- retail is always, you know, super challenging, right? What has been the biggest challenge for you um, over time as has it been? Um, I've talked to so many people who have named um, fundraising, you know, we were just talking about that. But also, I know that, actually hiring people is, is super challenging and becoming even more challenging. And especially depending on the city that you're living in, what would you say um, is probably one of the bigger challenges that you've had to overcome?
0: Yeah. I mean, I would say fundraising is super stressful. So Mm -hmm. that was definitely stressful. In general, I'd say, you know, that the people is always the hard part. I always say if, if our business was all robots, it would be a lot easier and simpler, but, but probably also a lot less fun and creative. But you know, the biggest challenge for sure for us was the pandemic because our business was built around serving people at work and serving them breakfast and lunch at their workplace. And so all of our locations were by big office buildings by design and when the lockdown and in New York and San Francisco the two most impacted cities in the US and so when the lockdown happened our revenue fell 96% overnight literally in one wow. night it it just fell the floor fell out and this was you know we'd spent a year doing institutional fundraising so we it's not like we had a big you know pile of cash um waiting there because we were just about to do this deal and so it was just incredibly stressful in figuring out okay what do we do and we just came from this philosophy of saying we're gonna focus on survival. Whatever we have to do to survive, if we can survive, then we're gonna have a lot of optionality on the other side. And so we made very swift decisions and we got really scrappy. We um, uh, you know, the first day actually, we had tons of food because they called this lockdown and you know, everybody <laughs> went home or didn't come into work <laughs> that day. And we had all of this food and we are like, What are we gonna do for with it? And a we called around we found this veterans home that they said you are the answer to our prayers we were just praying how are we going to feed everybody here now that we have to close down our cafeteria so that was like a, a a bright spot that kept me going and fueled me was i went i packed my volvo up with all of the food from the stores oh and gosh. went over there and delivered it and the woman was literally crying and then i was crying and it was incredible. And then we went from there and said, okay, where else can we deliver food from in my Volvo? So, you know, kind of started home delivery, started grocery delivery, turned half of our kitchen into a pick and pack facility, basically, to be able to deliver groceries along with our prepared meals and hand sanitizer and like whatever else we had that we could do that was useful and then grew kind of that business into something that could sustain at least keeping our most important people. We partnered with the government to uh, deliver food to low-income seniors, mm-hmm. which was also incredibly rewarding. And I loved it. My son, who was nine or 10 at the time, would come at the beginning sometimes and help deliver, which That's was awesome. just a really great experience for him too. And um you know, really worked closely with our landlords. Our landlords, you know, we decided, okay, we're just going to be really straight and honest with them. We're going to show them the financials. We want them to understand. And then let's figure out how to partner together in a way that will be in both of our best interests. And, you know, that actually really strengthened. We have closer relationships with our landlords now than we ever had before.
1: That's awesome. One of the uh, stores that we had on uh, the grab, a uh, New York's store food store um, talked about how during the pandemic they the biggest thing that changed for them was actually being able to do online ordering right that before yeah. they they were just like oh people will come in if we don't have online ordering um, is that similar yes. for you all too that you had to um, improve some of the technology that you just really hadn't
0: we had thankfully just maybe six months before yeah. started doing like online ordering and digital delivery and all of that stuff. And, but it was a very small part of our business. So that transformed, you know, we, our, our, stores were closed for a number of months. And so that became all the business. Yeah. Um, so that was a huge shift.
1: Yeah. It's such an interesting business. So you opened in New York city. How did you make that decision and why New York?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit crazy. Uh, but we, you know, wanted to go to a second market. Our consumer is time starved and food savvy. And we thought there's no greater density of time starved and food savvy people than in New York City. Uh, We, you know, we thought about, oh, well, we could go maybe Seattle or somewhere on the West Coast first. But as we thought about it, we thought, well, you know, even if we go to Seattle, we still have to get on a plane to be there. Uh, You know, it's still all the challenges of being remote. And it doesn't have all the upside of a New York City. Maybe you end up with, you know, five to 10 stores in Seattle, but you could end up with 50 to 100 stores in the New York area, especially the tri-state area. And so, and we both have ties to New York. Howard's dad and my mom are both from New York. And um, we used to go on food tours through New York with Howard's dad. And so... Uh, yeah, we, we, it was, you know, a little bit emotional and a little bit business. And honestly, I think that's probably the right way to make those decisions because we had spent a lot of time in New York and, you know, one of the best benefits of having your own business I think is you should be able to do things you're excited about doing and so that that's how we chose and our chef was excited to go to New York too and he you know we ended up getting him an apartment in New York and he splits his time between New York and San Francisco and so it was you know a great opportunity for him as well
1: i love that so last question i'd love for you to share any success tip or, or nugget of inspiration? Maybe somebody's listening, thinking, gosh, I'm listening to Dana right now. And she, you know, she was an experienced business person, but not in this industry. And maybe I should go do something. You know what? I'm sure you have a ton of people who have, <laughs> have you know, tried to get five minutes of your time. Of, like, this is an opportunity. What would you say to people who are thinking, I've got an idea. Now I, I want to go and execute on it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest learning for me having done this is that there's there's really only two ways to fail as an entrepreneur. One is you give up and the other is you run out of cash and basically anything else you can recover from. So I think a lot of people don't realize that if your business is profitable, you can still run out of cash and you really have to learn very quickly how to understand cash flow and really think through capital and get ahead of that and watch that. Uh, because beyond that, I think any mistake is solvable if you don't give up. And and really the biggest difference between the successful founders and the ones that aren't successful is the successful Founders still had that point of failure. They just didn't stop there and kept going and figured it out, which you can do if you have cash. Um, if you run out of cash, that's kind of the end. So, you know, that's my typical, you know, what my biggest piece of advice. And I think, you know, part of that is you've got to be really, really passionate about what you're doing because it is so hard at times and can be so defeating. And the thing that's going to keep you from giving up is if you feel just super passionate and excited about the underlying mission of what you're doing. That is
1: so, so true. And I think it's it's really, it really speaks to everything that you faced, right? You're, yes. You never know when you're going to, I mean, the pandemic, certainly hit, um, us and, and many other people by surprise. And you just had to kind of through whatever you thought was going to happen, any strategy out the door to some extent and say, okay, this is the shift. And as these things happen and the best entrepreneurs, whether these storms, um, are able to, you know, change directions, um, all of those things. But I think your point about not giving up is really the key thing and finding a way. What can you do at this point is just yeah. so critical. So yeah. I love.
0: Yeah, our business should have failed. You know, we were a business serving office workers in San Francisco and New York. Like we should have just that the pandemic should have been the end of our story. We just weren't willing for it to be the end of their story. So. We found a way to keep going. I love that. Well, Dana, so excited for you and all of the
1: growth and everyone needs to come and visit you. Uh, Definitely read more about your story too. I'll have all the info in the show notes. And, but Proper Foods is super yummy. And please have a hint water when you uh, grab whatever from Proper Foods. So (laughs) it's, uh, you guys have done such a nice job, but good luck with everything. And thanks again for sharing all of your, story and your wisdom with us.
0: Thanks so much, Kara.
1: Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey, including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023, and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders,